Good evening, folks, and a hearty welcome to our drive-in theater. We just want you to enjoy yourselves. A gay, pleasant evening for all. Oh, a word of caution. Mom or Pop, go with the kids when they leave the car. We hope you have a wonderful time. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome, Welcome to the Dead Zone. Welcome back, all you late-night weirdos. That's Danny over there. I'm Whitney, and this is the Dead Zone Screening Room. Hello. Hello. How are you? I'm, I'm doing good. How are you? Confused. Are you confused after the movie we just watched? I have much confusion. Uh, you know, it uh, it was quite the ride. It was a ride I didn't know that I signed up for. <laughs> it's one of those, I feel like somebody uh, blindfolded me and was like, hey, fun day, we're going to a theme park. Surprise, it's on a lighthouse, and it's you alone with a lot of terrible thoughts and masturbating. <laughs> and I was like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Didn't sign up for this, but hey, it's 2021. What are we doing? Uh, <laughs> well, uh, we are, uh, we're masturbating a lot. <laughs> it happens in this movie. We're just going to tell you right up front. Right there's, up front. There's some masturbation. If you're not prepared for it, perhaps you should turn your boat around now because, uh, <laughs> go to another lighthouse because this one's full of semen. <laughs> but, um, more than just one kind. Uh, yeah, so there was some unexpected moments this this was an interesting one yeah um uh it's really hard for me to classify this as horror uh, but yet i don't know where else it would fall yeah yeah it's definitely i think like a psychological horror there's a lot going on yeah uh within the mind (laughs) uh in this one yeah it was uh Definitely, you know, going into this month, I've been so excited to cover a lot of A24 movies that we haven't seen. And this is one of those. But this is definitely, I would say, the one out of the four that I was, I don't want to say least excited about, but definitely the most hesitant about, I think. Just because I've heard nothing but, like, reviews of people saying it's weird as fuck. Like, I've literally never heard anybody be like, you should watch Lighthouse. It's a really lighthearted, good (laughs) horror movie that every horror fan just nobody's ever said anything besides uh yeah it's weird yeah so Uh, it had a a cloud over it I think it was it was I kept pushing it off because I was like I just don't know my brain it's all used up you know there's not a lot going on up here (laughs) there's not a lot of room to add things yeah yeah and I just didn't know if I had the room for it up there but apparently I did and it's in there now so it's there It, it will forever be there uh, you know, it, it's a beautiful film. If you listen to last week's episode, you know we were unexpectedly huge fans of Robert Eggers' first film, The Witch. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it only came as a surprise because neither one of us are really into period films. Mm-hmm. So we were kind of dreading watching that one just because the subject matter wasn't really our cup of tea. But we really, really, really ended up enjoying it. Yeah. Uh, and this is, of course, his second outing. Uh, he is still just a masterful filmmaker. Mm-hmm. The The film is beautiful. The way he shot it. I just want to be inside of his head. I, I just, just want to know what's going on yeah. in there. And this is all thanks to him and his brother worked on this one. So, yeah, that that family, they'd be interesting just to sit down. <laughs> Dearest and, Eggers, can what I be a fly on your wall? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so this one's going to be fun to talk about, I think. Yeah. 
But before we do, just a recap. A few months ago, Danny and I inherited a traveling drive-in theater and were told to watch horror movies of our choosing to figure out what we want to add to the theater's vault and what to leave behind in the dead zone. The only other rule is to never be late opening the drive-in for those who are able to find us because, yeah, the theater it moves around a lot it's never in the same place twice and it's a mystery as to where it'll show up next but if you can use your knowledge of horror and follow the clues in each episode you might be able to figure out where the drive-in will show up next and this week we are in the middle of a month-long series simply called a24 where we celebrate the production company that's brought us some of the biggest independent horror films of the last decade proving that sometimes unique and different is scary in the best way possible. And of course, off the top there, we already mentioned a ton going on in this movie. Um, so it's just appropriate that we give you a spoiler warning. If you do want to go into this crazy ass movie um, and check it out before we talk about it, now's your chance. Please, please do. Honestly, it's, it's a wild fucking ride. And I think uh, it'll help make some things make sense uh maybe question mark because i watched it and it doesn't make sense <laughs> yeah and, and trust me there's gonna be a lot that i'm gonna be trying to explain and you're gonna be like what that that can't be right <laughs> and it is this what i'm telling you is is what we're seeing i i'm not gonna claim that's gonna make a lot of sense so maybe if you saw it for yourself <laughs> yeah yeah it, it might fall together a little bit more yeah of course this this one we found on um primes we were able to watch it uh for free for, on prime video so if you do want to check it out definitely check it out there if you if it's just not your cup of tea listen we get it we totally get it this is one we've been kind of iffy on going in so if you want to hear us talk about it first before you go into it I don't blame you. We're going to talk about it regardless and spoil everything. So, I mean, you already know there's lots of masturbation. Yeah, so, yeah. you might as well just go along with the rest of the spoiler ride. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. That's all this is. It's a ride. <laughs> really, there's just more masturbation. <laughs> <laughs> it only happens like three times, but it's three times too many. Yeah, it's enough. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, if you're ready to talk about this crazy ride of a movie, I am. Yeah, let's get into it. Okay, well, let's get to the wiki. So The Lighthouse is a 2019 fantasy horror film and second feature to be directed by Robert Eckers after his debut with his critically acclaimed 17th century horror film, The Witch. The Lighthouse, starring Willem Dafoe and Robert Pattinson, was an international co-production of the United States and Canada, with the film being shot entirely in black and white with a nearly square aspect ratio. According to the director, although the final story bears little resemblance to Edgar Allan Poe's last uncompleted work, The Lighthouse, the film began as an attempt by his brother Max Eggers to create a contemporary take on the Poe story. But when the project stalled, Robert offered to work with his brother, and the project evolved into a period thriller with the Poe elements largely removed. Another story that greatly influenced the direction of this film was a 19th century myth of an incident at Small's Lighthouse in Wales, wherein one of two lighthouse keepers, both named Thomas, dies while trapped at their outpost by a destructive storm, driving the other keeper mad. That both men were named Thomas, Robert recalled, compelled him to create a film with an underlying story of identity. 
The Eggers brothers' study of literature with maritime and surrealist themes informed the lighthouse character's speech. They looked into the writings of Herman Melville, Robert Louis Stevenson, and H.P. Lovecraft, among others, before coming across literature from Sarah Orne Jewett, a novelist best known for her local color work set around the coast of Maine. Her dialect-heavy writing style provided the lead character's cadences, rooted in the experiences of her own sailor characters and real-life farmers, fishermen, and captains she had interviewed. Principal photography for The Lighthouse began on April 9, 2018 in Cape Fortune, Canada, a fishing village in southern Nova Scotia. The project proved to be a difficult undertaking due to a combination of remote location, complex logistics, and harsh climates. Because the filmmakers found no lighthouse suitable for the needs of the production, they constructed their own 70-foot or 20-meter lighthouse set for their base of operations. Of the film's seemingly blatant homoerotic themes, Robert Eggers has refused to concretely state whether the characters are gay or straight, stating, quote, Am I saying these characters are gay? No, I'm not saying they're not either. Forget about complexities of human sexuality or their particular inclinations. I'm more about questions than answers in this movie, end quote. But some view this as more of a study in androsexuality and the attraction to masculinity rather than homoeroticism. Actor Willem Dafoe has said about the film's main characters and their sexuality is that it's, quote, about masculinity and domination and submission, end quote. The Lighthouse had its world premiere at the Cannes Film Festival on May 19, 2019, but never really found its mainstream audience, only bringing in a worldwide total of just over 18 million. On review website Rotten Tomatoes, the film holds an approval rating of 90%, with an average rating of 8 out of 10. The site's critical consensus reads, quote, A gripping story, brilliantly filmed, and led by a pair of powerhouse performances, The Lighthouse further establishes Robert Eggers as a filmmaker of exceptional talent, end quote. Owen Gleiberman of Variety called the film, quote, darkly exciting and made with extraordinary skill, commenting that, quote, the movie Building on the Witch proves that Robert Eggers possesses something more than impeccable genre skill. He has the ability to lock you into the fever of what's happening on screen, end quote. And Robbie Collin of the Daily Telegraph gave the film a perfect score, calling Defoe's performance, quote, outstanding and comparing Patterson's to that of Daniel Day-Lewis in There Will Be Blood, commenting, quote, that's no comparison to make lightly, but everything about the lighthouse lands with a crash. It's cinema to make your head and soul ring, end quote. But of course, not everyone was so enthralled by the film. The Sydney Morning Herald said the lighthouse's attempts at suspense were unsuccessful, and Samron Hans of The Guardian gave it two out of five stars, stating that the performances felt more like, quote, an experiment rather than conducive to eliciting meaning, end quote. Well, of course, for the synopsis of this movie, we've, we've pretty much uh, covered it. It's short and sweet. It just says two lighthouse keepers try to maintain their sanity while living on a remote and mysterious New England island in the 1890s. Done and done. Done and done. Uh, and, and that's it. The long and short of this film is it's a slow descent into madness by these two characters 
However, you can't tell who's crazier. Mm-hmm. Who's, is one of them really insane and the other one has gone insane? Was one insane to begin with and caused the other one to go insane? You don't know. There's yeah. there's so much happening uh, in the brain. Yeah. When you were, you were reading the wiki and you were talking about all the influences from, um, you know, different works of, like, fiction like hp lovecraft and stuff mm-hmm. like that immediately when you were naming those off i was like uh yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> those were very heavy in this movie but i mean not not so much that i felt like it was like pounding it into your head or anything but it was definitely i, I could got those vibes immediately and i thought they were executed well yeah I, that is one thing i have to say about this movie is the performances are stellar mm-hmm. absolutely phenomenal willem dafoe I feel like this is the role he was born to play. I, I can't see, now that I've seen him play this role, I mm-hmm. couldn't see anyone else doing it. Yeah, he plays that, um, kind of like you said, that descent into madness very well. He does it, I mean, so well that it's eerie. I mean, you can see that madness in his eyes and, and all that um, darkness take over. And he just, yeah, the way he executed it was was really well, and I I was surprised also by Robert Pattinson. I think because I just haven't seen him in a whole lot of things, so my expectations I just didn't have have much. You know, I just know him from basically reading his credits, but um, I was just really surprised the dynamic between the two and how well they work together. And I I didn't expect to come away from it with with much more than just like okay i enjoyed the movie for you know what it is but yeah like you said their performances were were stellar and i i really came away from the movie with a new respect for both of them just because i feel like it's hard to have a movie with just two people i mean you've i mean we have there's there's a mermaid that comes into play <laughs> um but it's just them you know and well, there's seagulls there is seagulls yeah and they were all paid well they were you know respectable um, but, but them, I think it's, it's hard because you, you can't falter. You, it's just you two. There's not Absolutely. anybody else that, that can fall on, you know, um, you never get to really, I guess for lack of better words, take a break <laughs> and come out of that. You're doing that every single scene and they just, they nailed it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's, it's really like carrying a play. Yeah. Uh, which, you know, Defoe has a, a background in theater, so that I think worked well for him. Uh, but they, they really both did a phenomenal job. Uh, you know, oddly enough, uh, they've stated that they barely spoke a word to each other uh, on set. And then, of course, by the end of the day, they'd just be too exhausted to hang out together. So they really didn't have a lot of contact outside of shooting. Mm-hmm. Pattinson would go back to his hotel with the rest of the film crew. Defoe actually uh, lived in a little fisherman's cottage by himself the whole time. He, oh, wow. he really just wanted to kind of stay in that old man in the sea kind of mindset. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, they really didn't hang out a lot uh, until the filming was over. And then, you know, afterwards they, <laughs> they were like, yeah, we really got along great. We just... yeah. <laughs> for this process (laughs) we stayed away from each other yeah and i i almost imagine that that helped because the power dynamics between these two in this movie are 
intense. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, unequivocally, they're just constantly kind of one-upping each other. That's that, that whole alpha male um, personality in this movie. And I mm-hmm. can bet that's exhausting to have to play that up sure. over and over and over again. And so, yeah, I'm sure by the end of shoots, they were like, I, you know, I, you're nice, but I don't want to have anything to do with you right now. I don't want to <laughs> see your face. I just want to go be alone. And I would completely, I mean, you're just exhaustingly repeating things over and over again with the same person, you know? So yeah, I imagine by the end of it, they were like, you know, you're really nice. I, I appreciate the, us going through this journey together. Uh, sorry for the fact that uh, so much happened uh, in this movie and that we couldn't talk about it. Yeah, yeah. It, it seems it seems super intense because a lot of this movie, they're either drunk mm-hmm. or stark raving mad mm-hmm. and they're fighting and arguing. It, yeah, it had to be exhausting. Yeah, absolutely exhausting. And the fact that pretty much you're both in every single scene mm-hmm. there's just there's no break for you <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> all right well i mean we've kind of danced around it enough we we need to get into it yeah i'm ready we there's there, we have to talk about it <laughs> <laughs> i didn't watch this movie not to talk about it so <laughs> i have things right. to say all right well let's get to it well we start out like most movies we start out we see all of our production companies you know Robert Eggers has behind him now the witch, so uh, he was able to attract some bigger investors. So we don't have the 10,000 production company (laughs) listings up front like we did in The Witch. There's just a few. But then it fades to black, and we start to hear the the sound of the ocean, Mm -hmm. the waves coming in. But it, it stays black for like an unusually long time. Yeah, we were. Uh, that is one thing I, I have to say about this movie. If I if I had to put a complaint up front, uh, while I completely loved the fact that this movie was shot in black and white, and I can completely understand uh, how it helped to add the effect and ambiance to this movie that it had, it was a very dark movie and so yeah when it just faded to black there and sat there um I was like are is there something going on that we can't see because it had already kind of like it sets that precedent that it's just a lot of grays and of course like they're on an island where it's raining constantly and they're in a little shabby shack so it's very dark dimly lit shadows so yeah there's just sound happening and I was like squinting my eyes like is there something happening we can't see because it's just a few seconds too long yeah yeah (laughs) i i even jokingly turned to you and said well it's good so far i was just like what is why is nothing happening all i hear is the ocean is that what this whole movie is just the ocean well eventually we do get our title card and it just says the lighthouse well immediately we start out after our title card to seagulls squawking interestingly enough they are going to play a part in this movie uh but it's very foggy and off in the distance we start to see the horizon of the ocean and there's a boat coming and we switch to a close-up of the boat and we see our two lighthouse keepers and they are standing on the bow of the boat and they are watching the lighthouse approach in the distance. It's It seems very ominous. Yes, yeah. It doesn't, I mean, like I said, pretty immediately this movie sets the tone that it's going to be pretty bleak out there. Yeah, well, just the thought of it. And, and you know, that really supports that whole decision of Eggers to shoot this the way that he did. He wanted that old feeling uh, so that's why it's done in black and white. Uh, but he really wanted to get that small aspect ratio. Mm-hmm. And it, it's claustrophobic. Yeah. It's almost exactly a square. I think it's 1.19 or something like that. 
And uh, like you said, it's absolutely to feel that claustrophobic that you cannot stretch out. There's nowhere to go. Mm -hmm. You're just focused to stay right here in this little box and so you're starting to already feel that as we approach this island these people are going to be alone and isolated and I thought their stents were from for much longer than this maybe there are some periods where you could do that but they say that they're there for four weeks that's what their stretch is before they switch out and you know when you think about it you're like oh four weeks that's a month Mm -hmm. I can do that that's not that bad yeah Look, let me tell you something. (laughs) If you listen to our other podcast, Creepy Caffeine, you know that we are currently obsessed with Alaska. It just happened. Yeah. We make no excuses for it. I think, I I mean, I made a general excuse, which was like, it's too damn hot in real life. And mentally, I'm escaping to Alaska (laughs) by watching a bunch of like shows and YouTube videos and stuff like that in Alaska. Well, it it really started because I found this show called Alone. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you aren't familiar with that show, the whole premise is they take these 10 contestants and take them to these barren, very inhospitable places to try and survive. They drop them off miles apart from each other. They, they are never in contact with each other. Mm-hmm. You are left with the pack on your back, 60 pounds of camera equipment that you they bring you in a week early to train you how to use all this camera equipment because you are literally going to be left alone Mm -hmm. and the last one standing uh wins half a million dollars yeah and it's not like survivor where you get together and you got to do these silly little contests i mean it's survival you have no shelter no food you got to make it and the the most interesting aspect about that show is the mental part of it oh for sure yeah yeah because these are all expert survivalists most of them are teachers Mm -hmm. you know they do this stuff all the time so it's not whether or not they can survive although that does become very difficult uh it it really becomes the mental aspect you are alone you've left your family behind there's no one to talk to and really right around day 30 is the biggest breaking people for those who have made it that far a lot of people don't even make it that far Mm -hmm. and so i tell you all of this Mostly because everybody should go watch that show. It's really good. And then um, message me and we can talk about it because I'm obsessed with it. Uh, but it's to to really hammer home how difficult it is when you are truly alone. Yeah, that feeling of isolation. Absolutely. And, and knowing you can't go anywhere. Mm-hmm. They have an emergency boat, but it's like a little dinghy. Yeah. You're not going to get very far if you're, you're in some big seas. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, they're there with someone else, but when that someone else is already pretty freaking nuts, yeah, you are not starting out on a good foot. Yeah. I think that's also a big aspect of this movie is obviously it's, uh, I think an exploration also into how, you know, you can really feed off whoever you, you're the company you keep basically. Yeah. And so, yeah, whenever he comes, I mean, both of them could come into this not not great i mean they both have a, a past and a history and things going on and mentally neither of them are the most stable uh going into this so there's a lot foundation is not great <laughs> just starting out but yeah you throw in the fact that you're dealing with somebody who can easily anger and who drinks a lot and uh then you add in uh their kind of 
psychoses going on, you mm-hmm. know, different things happening. It can very easily, easily, I think, take over and you feed off that and you, you yourself kind of fall into that those psychoses basically you 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 feed off of that out there so yeah I think that's the big another big thing in this movie is just watching their uh relationship grow and dissolve at the same time yeah yeah that's that's a really good way to put it yeah uh another thing that that plays really well on helping you really experience some of that madness and and trust me that is Edgar's point uh, of us watching this. He wants us to really go through this descent with them. You know, he has said that uh, there were versions of the script originally that he thought were too clear, uh, meaning he laid it out too much and he wanted it to be a little bit more ambiguous. Uh, so his goal was to make us, the audience, go mad along with our characters Mm -hmm. and become confused. Did it? Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So the final script turned out being more confusing for our sake. He he wanted us to really not be able to understand, okay, uh, this dude's seeing some things. That's weird. Mm -hmm. Is he really seeing that? Yeah. Or is he going nuts? Yeah. And, And so... There's a lot of what ifs, and that is totally intentional. Mm -hmm. But then also, okay, there's also this underlying thing, too, where you can go a little bit deeper in this movie and you start to think, I mean, because it's classified as a fantasy horror, right? Mm -hmm. So then there's a scene that we'll talk about that happens where there's almost a curse that seems to occur. Oh, it's 100% a curse. Yeah. So then you have that going on, too, where it's not only just his own personal descent but it's basically you know fueled by a curse on top of that and it's easily you see that that change right uh i think there's a thing to understand that willem defoe's character you know i've referred to him as the old man in the sea he's very much that he is all about the sea life yeah. and being a sailor and living on the ocean and that being your mistress and you know and that being the only thing you answer to and your love is for that and everything that has to do with that and that includes all of its mythology and everything that goes along with it so he truly believes in all of these things mm-hmm. so does that mean that those things are true and he has discovered those things over his years out on the sea or has he just adapted those things and has gone mad himself from these years of isolation and uh, and is now convinced this uh, this new guy he's got working for him yeah, that yeah. these things are true as well. So, I you know, there's a lot that you can take away from it. And, I, and again, I think this is one of those movies, it's what you want to make of it. Mm-hmm. And it could be a lot of different things. And none of those answers are wrong and none of those answers are right. Yeah. I, it's just, it's a, it's a journey to go on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, let's get to it. Uh, we keep kind of getting sidetracked. Uh, but basically, we see our two lighthouse keepers show up and they are taking over for the lighthouse keepers that have been there for the past month so we're seeing kind of a changing of the guards and they're bringing all of their supplies 
in. And the layout from the lighthouse, you have to understand, there's there's like an actual house where they will stay, and then there's this long, uh, almost like hallway that connects the house to the actual lighthouse. Mm-hmm. So those are, are separate things, uh, but they are connected. There's another thing <laughs> that Eggers does to really enhance the uh, the maddening part of it, and that is that there's this foghorn yes. that goes off constantly. Mm-hmm. It never stops. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it happens so often and you just you want it to stop and i i just you start to think my god how could you do that for four weeks yeah listen to that constantly Mm -hmm. go off there's also a clock in the house that's constantly tick tick yeah ticking it's just these that part gave me po vibes oh yeah kind of like the telltale heart kind of thing yeah 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 it it's all kind of that atmospheric horror same thing that he kind of did with the witch it's just that whole atmosphere that he's creating that unnerving i don't want to be here yeah uh and that is really uh punctuated by once they're dropped off we see robert pattinson's character and i keep saying the actor's names because both the characters names are thomas yeah uh so we have thomas and thomas so we have young thomas and old thomas <laughs> young thomas obviously is robert pattinson he is now standing at the entrance uh old thomas has already gone inside but he's just kind of watches the boat that has dropped them off sail off into the horizon and he watches it until he can no longer see it mm-hmm. anymore it's like that is my last lifeline yeah to civilization and now i there's no turning back. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm here now. So our next scene, we see our two lighthouse keepers get settled. Uh, old Thomas has already gone upstairs. He's done this before tons of times. So he's already upstairs getting himself checked in. Young Thomas is downstairs kind of checking things out. He's never seen the place before. He comes across a secretary's desk that's all locked up. That's where all like the ledger books and everything goes for that uh, the head lighthouse keeper will keep track of of what happened in the day-to-day operations and the head lighthouse keeper is also in charge of docking his subordinate if he feels his work's not up to snuff so that could be recorded in there too uh so you're gonna see there's an interest why you know young thomas doesn't get privy to a lot of this information uh and it's just one way that old thomas kind of tries to control him Mm-hmm. At this point, we've also seen that old Thomas uh, smokes of the pipe. He's got his classic, you know, old man in the sea pipe. <laughs> uh, and young Thomas uh, rolls his own cigarettes. In fact, Robert Pattinson had to learn how to do that specifically for this movie. Apparently oh, yeah. he wasn't very good at it. <laughs> and it took him a lot of practice. Next, we see young Thomas arrive upstairs where the bedrooms are. Old Thomas is already up there taking a piss in the chamber pots. How lovely. Nice. Uh, He's also prone to some flatulence. Yes. He farts a lot in this movie. Yeah. Not even five minutes in and there's there's a fart. And I was like, oh, I'm home. (laughs) These are my people. (laughs) I found my gassy people. (laughs) They're all secluded on a lighthouse. (laughs) So, of course, with all the pissing and farting, uh, young Thomas is not very impressed uh, with his boss. <laughs> he's uh, 
He's a lot to take. Yes. Next we see young Thomas is sitting on his bed and he can feel that something is in the mattress. It's kind of lumpy and he sees that there's a rip in it and he sticks his fingers in and starts pulling out some of the batting but then finds a carving of a mermaid. Curious. Hmm. What's this all about? This couldn't become dirty at any point in time. <laughs> well, young Thomas just says, oh boy, a new trinket for me, and sticks it in his pocket. <laughs> well, next we switch to some very loud machinery. I don't know how lighthouses work. Obviously, that thing has to spin around. So this, I'm assuming, is all the mechanics that makes that work. But I mean, it switches this scene, and it is so loud. Mm-hmm. It is the one and only time that I jumped in this movie. Yeah. So if if you're worried about jump scares, you're not going to get any in this. I mean, that one, okay. There's the machine thing. <laughs> but it's not meant to be scary. I don't think. I don't know. It was just loud. Yes, it was, it was very loud. Well, we see that young Thomas has started his duties. He is in this machine room shoveling coal, which is how this thing runs, and it turns all these wigamadoos and that makes the light go and hooray well that night at dinner they sit down i don't know what they're eating there's so much food on these plates none of it is recognizable yes but most likely it's probably lobster yeah that that makes the most sense <laughs> it's gonna come into play later uh i should first take this opportunity i haven't done anybody's creepy credits yet there's just two people uh, so Robert Pattinson, he's got some creepy credits. Uh, he was in a movie called High Life and a TV movie called The Haunted Airman. Uh, but of course, most everyone remembers him as Edward, the beautiful sparkly vampire from the Twilight series. Never heard of it. <laughs> Willem Dafoe was in Animorph, The Hitchhiker, Shadow of the Vampire, Siberia, The Hunger, Daybreakers, Existence, the live-action production of Death Note, Odd Thomas, Antichrist, and The House That Jack Built. A lot of good ones on there. There are some very good ones on there. I did not know that he was in the live-action production of Death Note. We still haven't watched that. Yeah, we still haven't. I don't think I realized that either, actually. It's one of my favorite animes. All right, well, back to dinner of possible lobster. So, Old Thomas is pouring out drinks for the two of them. Uh, but young Thomas, he refuses. Uh, old Thomas is like, what? You don't drink? You got to have a reason. And young Thomas is like, well, it says in the manual that we're not supposed to drink when we're on duty. And old Thomas is like, all right, first of all, didn't know you could read. That's cool. <laughs> uh, secondly, look, it says a lot of things in that manual. I I'm not going to tell anybody if you drink. But young Thomas, he's a stickler for them rules. He ain't doing it. He says, listen to me, guy. I like black and white around here. Just like this movie. <laughs> These rules, no gray area. <laughs> I'm a square, just like this aspect ratio. <laughs> no drinking for me, buddy. <laughs> well, young Thomas tells old Thomas, look, you know, I don't mean to disrespect you, but I'm not going to drink your alcohol. And he goes over, dumps the drink out that old Thomas poured for him, and tries to fill up water from the well that they have. Uh, <laughs> doesn't work out so well. He takes a drink of that water. It's pretty bad. Yeah. Uh, old Thomas just laughs at him and says, uh, yeah, you need to go out and check that cistern. That's part of your duties. Uh, good luck with that. 
Of course, old Thomas explains to young Thomas all the duties that he has to do. It's basically everything. Young yes. Thomas has to do everything around <laughs> except for tend to the light. And that's all that old Thomas is going to do. He gets to tend to the light. Young Thomas is like, I, I was my understanding we would switch off. And he's like, nope, you don't go up to the light. Just me. You do all the shit. <laughs> I get the light. He reminds me of uh, like that fish from Finding Nemo that likes his bubbles. My bubbles. My light. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that's how he is. Well, the next day we see young Thomas is doing more of his grunt work. He's in there shoveling coal. He's right next to that foghorn, which keeps going off. You know what it reminds me of? You know, I'm always going to find a way to try and work it in. In Lost, <laughs> whenever the smoke monster would appear, mm -hmm. it would make kind of that yeah. noise. Yeah. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. I totally get that for sure. I kind of wish the smoke monster would come. It would be just as confusing as it was in Lost. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I would have been like, okay. That's, mm -hmm. this... I mean, technically they're on an island. Yeah. I don't think I'd be surprised. I'd be like, of course this is all happening. Where are the others? <laughs> Willem Dafoe takes off his mask. I'm really John Locke. <laughs> and honestly, that would make more sense to me than <laughs> the actual movie. I'd be like, oh. Yeah, okay, I get it. Well, while young Thomas is doing his grunt work, we see old Thomas make his way up to the lighthouse, and he has to unlock it, and he goes inside and gets comfortable, and he actually takes his clothes off and, like, bathes in the light from the lighthouse. It's, it's, it's a little weird. You know, it's a choice. I don't get it. And he makes like a toast to her. You know, he's got his glass. He's like, to ye, me beauty. Yeah. I mean, he's, he is, he is smitten with said light. Yeah. Married to the lighthouse. Lighthouse? More like wife house. Am I right? <laughs> <laughs> well, we see young Thomas back down on the ground, looking up longingly at the lighthouse, wondering what in the hell goes on up there? What in the hey diddly ho is going on up there? Well, young Thomas walks down to the water's edge and he starts to have almost like these visions and it looks like timber coming in. Uh, we'll come to learn that he used to work in the timber industry up in Maine, up near Canada. Uh, and so that he's used to logging and cutting down these logs and dropping in the water. And, and he kind of has this vision of these logs in the water and the logs start to clear away and in the middle he can see a body floating in the water. So he kind of wades out into the water. It's, you know, up over his head at, at one point. And in the water, he sees a vision of a mermaid. And she's swimming toward him and she is like shrieking. This isn't your beautiful, mesmerizing siren song, mermaid. This is screaming, scary. Yeah, she's, she's bad. Not happy. <laughs> Cher is not in this movie, nor is Daryl Hannah. None of the good mermaids are here. This is just the bad one. Well, young Thomas wakes up to find it was all just a dream. Or was it? Bum, 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 bum. We never know. It's, it's like you could leave it as, okay, that was a dream, or, huh, that was a weird thing that happened to him last night. It could go either way. Yeah. Of course, old Thomas has come down from his shift up in the light and just tells him more crap he has to do that day. 
One of the things is he's got to clean out the septic tank, uh, which is gross. Uh, and, and then he has to oil the lamp. Now, oiling the lamp involves lugging oil all the way up to the top of the lighthouse. Uh, and they have to have a lot of it there, right? I mean, you got to take care of this lighthouse. It's got to be oiled. So they have like these 50-gallon drums. Mm-hmm. And he has to haul that all the way up to the top of the lighthouse. Yeah, it's not an easy task. It's a lot of stairs. Yeah, there's no way I could do it. And one thing, too, that I I know that I made note of was in this scene, uh, he's, he literally wakes him up and is, like, waking him up with, like, chores. Mm-hmm. It's not even like, hey, good morning. He's, like, immediately opens his eyes and is like, here's a full task, a full list of tasks. I would immediately turn back over and go to sleep. I'd be like, uh, number one, fuck you. And number two, get out of here. That's the worst way to wake somebody up. Yeah, and and it's all just horrible stuff. I, it, you have to think about the dynamics here because old Thomas gets to just sit up and drink with a light all night. That's all he's doing. Yeah. The, the, he doesn't have to oil it. He doesn't have to put coal, coal in it. That's what... Young Thomas does all during the day. Mm-hmm. So literally he is doing all the work. And old Thomas just sits up there and, you know, Lord only knows what he does with this light. Yeah, there's a lot of questions on what goes on up there. I don't think I want the answer. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to think about it too much. <laughs> uh, we also have this this interesting thing that happens this next day when he's doing all these terrible chores of, you know, cleaning shit and... Uh, hauling coal uh he runs into this seagull it's a one-eyed seagull (laughs) and he's like so ornery for some reason he doesn't like young thomas uh he's angry at him for some reason he just shows up and yells at him a lot uh interestingly enough though this seagull not only has the coolest seagull name ever uh this seagull has a creepy credit already besides this movie what okay so first of all his name is sully steven seagull you better stop it (laughs) that is his name i love him so much he was also in the blake lively horror shark film the shallows what yeah oh good old steven seagull just out here doing his thing, making some bank. Yeah. Uh, he is actually not a one-eyed seagull. He has both of his eyes. The the uh, one-eyedness <laughs> was uh, added uh, in post-production. They okay. did that digitally. But there you go. Who knew? The seagull has a creepy credit and the best that. name ever. Yeah. that's That makes this whole movie worth it to me. <laughs> that right there. It's, it's all I needed. Beautiful moment in seagull history. <laughs> So back to this oil scene, we see him, I mean, just painstakingly, this scene takes like, it seems like five minutes. He's just trying to trudge this thing up. He finally gets to the top. He's just, he's tired. He's out of breath. That is a lot of work. And of course, old Thomas is already up there and he comes over and says, I could have saved you a lot of trouble. Next time, just use this and hands them the smaller container that uh, you're to get the oil out of the big drum and carry the smaller container upstairs um so you have to think you know you could have told him that to begin with yeah was this kind of a you know fuck you plebe you're new now i gotta give you shit uh 
It was it was definitely a dick move. Yeah, I think he's just fucking with them. Mm-hmm. I I think every single thing that he has done is is purposeful. Yeah, I feel like my patience would run thin very quickly. I don't know if I would have made it this far. Yeah, I mean, the minute the guy started farting excessively i mean you know what literally I, like the first day yeah i will just spend the rest of my time outside thank you <laughs> uh yeah well to make matters worse he, he says you know don't worry take your time catch your breath because now you got to carry this heavy ass 50 gallon drum all the way back down because you can't leave it up here you'll catch the place on fire so yeah does he say i'll help you carry it down nope you're gonna do it and he just pieces out Literally the worst. But of course, as he disappears into his lovely light hole, <laughs> he tells young Thomas, you know, get back to work. You're already behind in your duties. <sighs> just <laughs> hey, you know, the look on young Thomas's face. He's just like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. You know, I'd be like, you really need to sleep with one eye open. Because we're about to have some issues. <laughs> your days are numbered, sir. <laughs> Well, next night at dinner, young Thomas still refuses to drink the alcohol. So old Thomas keeps trying to get young Thomas to open up and talk. He's like, come on, you got to liven up. You know, this is the time for talking. You work all day. Let's relax. Have a good time. And, you know, young Thomas is like, I'm not one for talking. And and so now old Thomas has to go into some of his his old tall tales, some of his talk of being on the ships and being a sailor. And we're soon going to find out that some of these seem to be maybe a bit far-fetched. So you never know what he's telling, if it's a real tale of something that actually happened, or if this is just some fantastical story he's made up in his mind. But he, he is sure to let him know that, you know... One of the biggest killers of of these seamen is is doldrums, boredom. When you don't have anything to do and and you're bored, that's that's when you know bad things happen. Uh, so you know, stay busy, stay lively. Idle hands are the devil's playground. Mm-hmm. And of course, he says the only medicine for this is drink. It's it's the only way you're going to get through it. You got You have to drink. It's the only way you're going to survive this. After watching the movie, I think I agree. Yeah, it might be the only way you survive the movie. <laughs> the drinking game every time the foghorn goes off. Or every time old Thomas farts. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Jeez, you'll be schnockered. <laughs> You're going to be wasted. You can thank <laughs> us later. This one meal alone, you'll be under the table. <laughs> so young Thomas asks old Thomas what happened to your last second in command you know why is young thomas up there now whose place did he take and old thomas tells him that the old keeper died that he went mad raving about sirens and merfolk and bad omens he believed that there was some enchantment in the light he notioned that saint elmo had cast his very fire into it he said that salvation lied in the light course young thomas just thinks it's tall tales and hogwash but when he says that the camera holds on old thomas and it almost looks like his feelings are hurt like he was waiting to see if young thomas would take the bait like if if that would be something that would interest him like what do you think about all these these things mermaids and things Mm -hmm. and you know his response is tall tales it's hogwash 
And old Thomas is like, oh, well, okay. So it makes you wonder, was that really what the uh, the old keeper thought? Or, or those really old Thomas's thoughts? Yeah. He's the one who truly believes in mm-hmm. this thing and that the light is salvation. Yeah. And he was kind of hoping that he would see that, um, I guess, young Thomas would would you know bite onto that so mm-hmm. then he could know if he kind of maybe had an ally in that right well old thomas then tells young thomas you know i saw you out there uh getting in an argument with uh steven seagull uh <laughs> not cool dude it is really bad luck to kill a seabird so just leave him alone he's gonna give you shit uh just leave him be it's he, fine he's been in movies before <laughs> it's not his first rodeo uh, you can find him in his trailer if you'd like to speak to him. We respect people around here, okay? <laughs> Even more, we respect Stephen Skull. Well, of course, since old Thomas said that it was bad luck to kill a seabird, young Thomas again says more tall tales. Well, this really pisses old Thomas off. Man. He hauls off and smacks him on the side of the head. It's the slap heard around the world. It comes out of nowhere. It's like, holy shit. Yeah. Again, it kind of makes you feel bad. Like, oh God, what did, what did young Thomas get himself into? Yeah. And, and all old Thomas does is he just yells, it's bad luck to kill a seabird. It's like, all right, dude, I'm not touching your bird, man. <laughs> I didn't know you guys were so close. Maybe he should be your second. I don't know, because <laughs> you're giving me weird vibes right now, guy. Well, then old Thomas just tells young Thomas, uh, pay me no mind, just uh, fix us some coffee. It's going to be a long night. Be like, Bitch, fix your own fucking coffee. <laughs> Whack me upside the head, you <laughs> fool. Well, later that night, young Thomas is laying in bed, smoking a cigarette and reading when old one-eyed Stephen Seagull comes to the window and starts tapping on it. But when young Thomas sits up to look at him, he flies off. <laughs> He's like literally fucking with this guy. He's so ornery. I love it. But we also can see that young Thomas is now sleeping with that carving of that mermaid. Spicy. Yeah. Um, well, he then gets up and does something else with it. Uh, this is our first masturbation scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's also the very first scene that they filmed when they made this movie. What? Can you imagine Literally no. how awkward that would be? Literally no. It's like, hi, we all just met. I mean, we did some pre-production things, but, but it's first day of filming. Let's just <laughs> jump in dick first, shall we? I mean, what a way to really just break the ice. <sighs> it's not a comfortable situation anyway. I mean, I feel like this whole movie's uncomfortable, so it's like <laughs> we're really just going to dive in. Well, after he... Uh, gets done with his nightly adventure uh he goes outside to have a post-masturbation <laughs> cigarette and looks up into the lighthouse and can see old thomas standing there arms out to his side butt-ass naked in the light yeah you can see his silhouette up there in the light so yeah there's some weird shit going on up there yeah well, the next day, young Thomas is back to schlepping around coal up these steep hills, and he's cleaning gears, and he's busting his ass, and old Thomas comes up and says, you've been neglecting your duties, don't lie to me, 
and he comes down and shows him this spot on the floor. And young Thomas is like, look, this place is a shithole. I have washed this two times already. He's like, I don't care how many times you've washed it. You're going to do it again, and you're going to do it right until this is gone. So again, it's just this, you know, that stain is there. I've cleaned it twice. It's not coming up. It's just this, I'm going to show you that I am in control. Mm -hmm. And so I'm going to make you do shit whether it needs to really be done or not. Yeah. So it's more of that power play. Yeah. And basically, old Thomas is telling him, look, I'm your fucking boss. You're stuck out here and you're going to do exactly what I tell you to do. If I tell you to tear this place apart, board by board, clean it and then put it back together, that's what you're going to do or I'm going to dock your pay. So... Young Thomas is fucked. Yeah, he's not in a great situation. I would definitely, I don't know, be getting on Google looking for another job. <laughs> yeah. Basically, old Thomas just tells him to swab, dog, swab. Constantly calling him a dog. We see young Thomas go back to work, scrubbing it, putting in that elbow grease. We see him hauling more coal in the rain and the wind. Let me tell you something about this weather. So... The cast and crew filmed under extreme weather condition. Freezing temperatures, cold Atlantic water, intense winds, snow, rain, and no protective flora on the fortune terrain kept them exposed to the elements throughout the shoot. Three nor'easters blew across Cape Fortune during various stages of the production. Much of the film was shot in real weather elements, so rain and wind machines weren't needed most of the time. Wow. With director Robert Eggers stating that, quote, the most crazy and dramatic stuff was shot for real, end quote. The crew had to film the scene where Pattison's character goes into the sea at night, you know, when he's having those visions of mm -hmm. those logs. Uh, they had to wait until the weather settled down because they were afraid they might lose him out to sea because the seas were so rough. Oh, my God. So they were just constantly dealing with this weather. So I bring him up because in this next scene, I mean, you're seeing him. He's constantly having to go get this coal and drudge it, you know, over these hills and these rocks. And it's rainy and muddy. And he has to take it all the way to the, you know, the machine rule where, room where he's, you know, feet in the fire with coal and he just has to do that constantly and it just looks miserable mm -hmm. and there's this scene he's starting to get frustrated because it's so slippery and he, it dumps over and stuff just all the coal spills out and he just has this moment of frustration where he's just screaming you know and it's just kind of like oh how much more can i take yeah yeah, I think that's what shocked me when you said all that weather was real because the weather in this movie is bananas. Yeah, it's horrible. But again, I think it just helps um, lend credence to that feeling of isolation because they literally can't go outside. Yeah, I, but they have to sometimes. Mm -hmm. Well, that night at dinner, we just see, you know, of course, old Thomas is having his drink and eating and he's just fine and young Thomas is just sitting there. And you can tell he's just on the verge you know he is one fart away <laughs> from just taking that fork and knife and stabbing it in old thomas's face well the next day <laughs> old thomas has decided to torture young thomas with a new task of painting the outside of the lighthouse so they have this extremely elaborate like rope and pulley system set up where basically Young Thomas is on 
for all intents and purposes, a swing. Yeah. That's just hooked up to this rope and pulley. And old Thomas is up there just holding it. And he's like, okay, you're doing fine. Uh, I'm going to drop you down a few feet. And like, not slowly lets him drop down, like drops him. Yeah. Like two feet. <laughs> and he bounces down. He's like, shit, fuck, do not. What is wrong with you? Why are you doing it like that, dude? <laughs> he's like, what? I told you. And then he does it again. He's like, shit, well, this time it's too much. <laughs> and young Thomas falls out and he falls down to the damn ground. Yeah, I think I audibly was like, oh, shit. It's very uh, loud and aggressive. <laughs> yeah, and he like falls a good way. Well, of course, this knocks young Thomas out temporarily. And when he comes to that fucking seagull, <laughs> good old Steven Seagull <laughs> is sitting on his leg, pecking at his pants. Why? Who knows? Who knows? He's just like, hey, buddy, I missed you. Remember me? Hope you had a good nap. <laughs> I got my eye on you, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Left it in your pocket. <laughs> well, he shoes the seagull away. But I also like how at no time does old Thomas come down to see if he's okay. No, not at all. Nope. It just, just the seagull checked on him, <laughs> which I thought was kind of nice. Yeah. Later that night, we see old Thomas is writing in that ledger book. Uh, we, we never see, uh, at this point, what, what's being written in there. Uh, but we can see he's very pleased with what he's, he's written. It puts a little grin on his face, and he closes the book up and locks it back up in that desk. And there's, there's a really cool shot right here. It happens super fast. I don't know if you caught it. Uh, but ha as old Thomas locks that book up in that desk... Uh, there's a shot over his shoulder where we can see young Thomas is standing. Uh, the door is open, just a crack. Uh, and you see he's standing out in the hallway watching him write in this book and lock it back up. He's very curious as to what he keeps writing in this book. Mm -hmm. uh, and then when old Thomas stands up from locking up the book and then moves out of the way, it, it is a split second but very quickly, young Thomas has disappeared, and he's no longer standing in in the doorway. It just it happens very fluid and quickly, and it's just a neat kind of he's there and then he isn't. I don't even think I realized. Oh, it's it was pretty cool. Well, the two of them sit down for that night's meal, and young Thomas pours a drink for old Thomas, and old Thomas says, "Thank you, lad." And young Thomas tells him to call him Winslow. Ephraim Winslow. So now all of a sudden, this guy's name is different. He's Ephraim. No longer young Thomas. He's like, look, I can't be... There's only room for one of us. <laughs> well, he says, you know, look, for the last two weeks that we're here, I want you to call me by my, my real name. Well, old Thomas wants to know what brought Ephraim, who we're still going to call young Thomas for the <laughs> sake of... This, this already gets confusing enough. We don't need to uh, add on top of that. Uh, he wants to know what brought young Thomas to this rock. Why Why are you working here? What's going on here? <laughs> what are you doing here? What are your secrets, big guy? And he basically says, you know, I've kind of always jumped around from job to job. I've, I've just never really found anything that fit. I was working up near Canada doing some logging, but that really wasn't for me. And, and so I came back trying this out. You know, all I really want to do is... is uh, find a place in this world young thomas asks old thomas if he's ever been married and he says 
yep, but you spend 13 Christmases out at sea with little ones at home, and basically my wife never forgave me, uh, so there's a bridge that I burned. But basically, he's pretty much married to this lighthouse. We already know that he has a very special relationship with it, uh, so he's good. He is good where he is. He's <laughs> like, this lighthouse is my wife. She's all I need. She's the only one I love. <laughs> and you're not going to come in here and ruin that with your young sassiness? Your youth? So young Thomas gets around to asking old Thomas, what's the deal with the seagulls? Why is it bad luck to kill one? And old Thomas says, well, they're supposed to hold the trapped souls of sailors who have died, basically, out at sea. And so you can't kill them or you kill off their soul. Well, after dinner, old Thomas goes up to his light to do whatever it is that he does. And young Thomas has taken to standing down <laughs> on the ground and just staring up. He's becoming obsessed with what could possibly be going on up in that lighthouse. Well, the next day, we see poor young Thomas is just back to all of his old grunt work again. And old Thomas just continues to write in his ledger, lock it up, and tend to his light. I feel like that alone would, like, drive me crazy. Because I, I would. I'd be like, what the fuck are you writing about? I'd be like, you won't talk to me. Mm-hmm. Well, just the fact that he does nothing. Yeah. But sit in his light, write in his book, and... You know, young Thomas has to do everything that would drive me insane. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Well, at this point, they're just kind of showing you the monotony of it. Just, you know, working over and over again while, you know, old Thomas is not doing anything but screwing with his light. So one evening, young Thomas is finding it hard to get to sleep, and he reaches into his jacket pocket next to his bed to grab a smoke, and he has left it back in the lighthouse when he was working on some of the mechanics. So he goes back to get his smoke. But remember, old Thomas is up there doing his thing. So this brings young Thomas really close. He comes all the way up to the door, the entrance to the lighthouse room. And he can actually see there's kind of uh, the floor is kind of like a grate in one spot. So you can see through the floor and he can see old Thomas's feet and stuff starts to drip down. Hate it from up above uh implying it's another masturbation scene but then something weird happens and as we are looking through young thomas's point of view and see into the lighthouse there's tentacles that's a plot twist there are there are there's just a big tentacles <laughs> that's all i can tell you that's all we see do we know what it means we do not and that's that's the movie as a whole. <laughs> <laughs> Roll credits, movie over. No. Uh, so next day, we see young Thomas is up. And he is trying to get a drink of water. So he goes to the, uh, the well pump at the sink and pumps up some water. But it starts coming in black and sludgy and gross. Very gross. Uh, also, you're still kind of wondering in your mind at this point. You're like, well, wait a minute you should be more disturbed about the tentacle thing. Was that another dream or did that actually happen? Uh, don't know. So <laughs> young Thomas goes Answers out. cannot be found here. Yeah. He goes to check the well and in the well is a seagull that has landed and is dying. 
uh, and it's, it's uh, not doing well, and that's what's causing the gook to come in through the well water. Uh, but just at that moment, old Stephen Seagull, one-eye Seagull, shows up and starts taunting old young Thomas, just screaming at him. Not uh, good timing. Not good timing. Uh, Thomas is having it rough. <laughs> and Stephen Seagull got in his face, and young Thomas is like, um, I can't deal with you right now. Literally grabs him by the head and starts bashing him against the concrete well. Yeah, it's very aggressive. It is. It is intense, and that is a dead seagull. Uh, but never fear. Uh, no seagulls were harmed in the filming of this movie. Uh, the seagull scenes were filmed with a puppet, so that close-up that we just saw was actually a puppet, uh, which was then digitally replaced with real seagulls. Uh, there were multiple birds that were used throughout parts of these. So there were other ones besides just Steven Seagal. Uh, there were three, actually. We had Lady, Tramp, and Johnny. Uh, they reshot the scenes with the real seagulls in front of a green screen in a studio in the UK because they couldn't fly the trained seagulls to Nova Scotia. So they just they had to uh, do those separately. And, of course, other seagulls that you see flying around in the distance, those were real, actual. They were just, I don't know if they had to pay them a wage. <laughs> They're just naturally Canadian seagulls. <laughs> just I, th naturally I think they Canadian. came with the location. It's like, yes, you may use our birds as well. You can stay, thank you. Well, the minute seagull is dead, there is some very ominous music that plays. And uh, the camera pans over and scales up the lighthouse wall till we get up to the very tippy top and we see the weather vane on top and it's showing which way the wind is blowing and it starts spinning rapidly and all of a sudden changes direction. This is a significant moment. This is a sign that bad weather is coming. So old Thomas tells young Thomas, we gotta batten down these hatches basically. Bad weather is coming, it is gonna get rough. We got to get ready. And coincidentally, this is supposed to be their last night. Uh, the boat is coming in the morning uh, to switch them out. So they got to get ready. Everything's got to be ship shape. They got to get ready for the storm. And they don't want to miss the boat. I'm just going to make it through the night. This, this craziness should be over, right? That's what we're all thinking. <laughs> yeah. Anytime you get to a point in the movie where they're like, we just got to make it through the night. Shit's about to get real. Mm -hmm. So next we see the two of them starting to board up the windows and then they go out. I guess they keep these lobster traps out so they can catch food. They gotta eat, obviously. Uh, and old Thomas, although he was somewhat helping with the boarding up the windows, uh, now he's having young Thomas pull up all these lobster traps. And again, he's not doing shit. He's like, put your back into it. Come on, pull harder. <laughs> It's like, dude, grab a rope, man. <laughs> Fucking help. So that night at dinner, it is their last night. So he's like, come on, man. There is no crime. I'm not going to say anything if you want to take a drink. It's your last night. And I guarantee you, even if they showed up early and saw you drinking, no one is going to say anything on your last night. I promise. So finally, young Thomas gives in and he agrees to drink. The two of them immediately take like three hefty shots in succession mm -hmm. i was like 
oh, this is this is not going to end well. <laughs> and of course, the next scene, I call this one our uh, Jaws in the cabin of the boat scene. You know, they get drunk and they, they sing and they're having a good time yeah. right before everything goes to shit. Uh, that's kind of what's happening here. We have uh, these sea chanties going, oh, we're homeward bound, we're going to do some shit and fuck things up and pillage and plunder. Uh, and, and now they're kind of getting relaxed around each other. It's the last night, loosen it up. They got some alcohol. Yeah. Old Thomas is now spinning some more of his tall tales and telling these fantastical stories. Well, for just for a moment, it actually looks like they're, uh, actually getting, uh, kind of friendly with each other. And old Thomas tells young Thomas, you know, I, I might actually miss you when we leave. I think you've done a fine job. You've you've done very well. I, I think you'll make a, a very good wiki, uh, which apparently is what they used to call lighthouse keepers back in the day because they had to trim the wicks for the lights. Uh, and he said, you know, in no time you'll be tending your own light. And, uh, and young Thomas asks him, well, why haven't I yet... And, uh, well, that was a mistake. You don't, you don't, you shouldn't have asked that. Uh, because now old Thomas is very defensive. He's a little upset. He's like, look, I'm the tender of this light. This is my light. I mean, you'll get your own light somewhere else very far away from me. Please don't touch my light. Get out of here. Goodbye. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, one of those triggering questions for him. He, we, none of us knew. I mean, you know, we sh probably should have picked up from the naked and bathing in the light. <laughs> Uh, that this might be a sensitive subject. <laughs> you don't touch his fucking light. <laughs> my light. It's my light. <laughs> well, they get in a big shouting match about it, and they're just, uh, I don't understand why I can't go up. Well, you can't because it's fine. And I'll, uh, and, uh, you know how that goes. Yeah. I, I'm sure I, I nailed the dialogue there. Yeah. We were just saying that last night. <laughs> uh, but basically, they just laugh it off. It's their last night. That's ridiculous thing to argue about and they just have more drinks they're like yeah there's plenty of lights to go around it's okay well apparently the two of them party a little too hard uh and the next morning they wake bright and early with horrible hangovers this was expected by everyone but them <laughs> well young thomas is the first to rise and he is literally trying to find something to drink and a pot to piss in he just wants to take a piss. Uh, they filled them all, and so now it's up to him to empty them. I feel like I would want another job. I'd be like, can I trade something? Yeah, because uh, it's not just full of piss. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there was some crapping going on. So now he's outside in rain gear, in horrible wind. And, you know, the spray is coming off the rocks as the waves crash into the side. It's just miserable. And he's carrying these two very full pots of shit. I don't know why. I mean, I understand why he needs to get far from the house, but this seems excessively far. Uh, he finally gets to the edge of the cliff, goes to toss the shit out, and the wind just blows it all right back in his face. He immediately screams <laughs> and yells, to no one. Uh, but in our next scene, it's now pouring rain. His face is covered in shit. He's having to haul more of this coal. It's just back to the more grind. It was supposed to be his last day, but yet here we are having to deal with all this shit. You know, work has still got to get done until they're picked up. 
So he is trudging back and forth, back and forth. And finally, he sees something on the rocks that catches his attention. And in a giant mass of seaweed that he starts to clear away, he finds a woman. Surprise. Well, who left this here? (laughs) (laughs) Well, he continues to, you know, clear the seaweed away and fondle someone that we just met perhaps inappropriate uh but as his hand moves down her body it turns out this is that mermaid again the same one that he saw in the water and she got herself a fish tail it's for real it's for real it's even got some fish genitalia uh but she wakes up and just starts kind of her laugh screaming thing just that shrill screaming and this sends him running away and he starts screaming he's scared and he's yelling and he makes it back to the house and he comes bursting inside and old thomas says what are you yelling for you smell like shit (laughs) (laughs) and young thomas is just standing there and he's trying to catch his breath and he's not sure what just happened and what he just saw And old Thomas just tells him, you know, you need to clean all this stuff up before the people get here. This will be embarrassing. Just, you know, go back to work. (laughs) And and all young Thomas can manage to say is, I, 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 sir. (laughs) (laughs) No mention of, hey, uh, have you ever seen a mermaid out here? Because there's this thing. Maybe you should come take a look. (laughs) I don't know if I actually saw this or not. The people watching this movie don't know if I actually saw it or not. (laughs) Maybe you could help. But instead, I suppose he just does what he's told because the next thing we see, the guys are all packed up and (laughs) they are standing luggage in tow on the edge of the cliff waiting in the wind and the rain for this boat to come and pick them up. And it never does. Literally, uh, I would just start swimming. I'd be like, I can't be here with this crazy person anymore. (laughs) Yeah, I'd be like, well, looks like this is when I jump into the ocean. (laughs) Nice knowing you. So next we see our two lighthouse keepers back inside, resigned to the fact that the boat didn't show up. So basically it's just back to work. So young Thomas goes back out. He is shoveling more coal. We see old Thomas come to the door and tell young Thomas that the damp is getting to the provisions meaning they're running out of food, they need to start rationing it, and water is getting to what they have left. But here's where more crazy shit starts to happen. Because (laughs) when he pulls him in to tell him, to explain to him in more detail about how this food is going bad, and old Thomas says to young Thomas, you know, I've been telling you for weeks now that we need to ration this food. And young Thomas is like, weeks? We just slept in this morning. We probably just missed her. She'll probably be back tomorrow. It's it's just been a day. And old Thomas is like, a day? It's been weeks, man. And every time I bring this up, you tell me you're just going to try and take the boat out. But you never do. And so now it's getting crazy. Yeah. It's been crazy. But now (laughs) it's like, okay, wait a minute. What? (laughs) Things are changing. We are confused. And so now you're like, okay, but has it been weeks? Or is he just do- fucking with them again? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or or it, who's crazy here? <laughs> yeah, we definitely don't know who to trust. No, and it's it's 
it's really effective because it's definitely giving me that sense of madness. I'm yeah. like, wait, what? What is going on? How long have they been here? Yeah. Well, young Thomas seems to be just as confused. And he said, now, wait a minute. I thought you said that relief was coming. And old Thomas says, well, that was before the storms. Now we got to wait out these storms. You got to wait for it to pass. If a boat can't get in here, we're not going anywhere. He's like, I, I know of some guy that was on a watch and he got stuck for seven months before a boat could get out to him. So, yeah, we're kind of stranded. We need to get to these provisions. At first, whenever I was watching this, I was like, oh, okay, seven months, whatever, extended vacation. But then I was like, oh, wait, food and stuff. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like there's other factors. Yeah. <laughs> well, we see the two of them head outside to dig up these provisions and they start digging and digging and finally bring up a box. Young Thomas manages to get the box open and we see that it is full of alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> These were the provisions that were so important that old Thomas had to get to. Uh, but here on out, it's pretty much one long drunken montage. Yeah. Well, the two of them start drinking again as they're taking stock of what food they do have left. And old Thomas is spinning another one of his yarns talking about being out on the ocean and how the crew was getting sick and they were dying from scurvy. Well, it's just another story and it's one of those things that they're really starting to get to young Thomas. And we see young Thomas slip a knife into his pocket. Then young Thomas also happens to catch old Thomas in, uh, I, don't, I guess you can't say a lie, but a story that he's telling currently is contradicting a story that he told earlier. And so young Thomas starts to call him out on that. So he's kind of starting to realize that everything this old man has been telling him is pretty much bullshit. As if, like, we all didn't know. <laughs> We're like, yeah, we've been here. We, we get it. Well, now in a full-on drunken state, young Thomas starts to tell his own tale. And he talks about some time that he spent logging up in Maine. And he's talking about a foreman. But he keeps referring to the foreman as Winslow, which is weird because he said his name was Ephraim Winslow. So is the foreman related to him? Who's this foreman guy? And he just talks about how this foreman always ragged on him and treated him like a dog and just always was telling him what to do, just like old Thomas does. And it really pissed him off. And then there's this really weird scene where they have a what contest. I don't know what they were doing. They just kept saying what to each other. Yeah, I made note of it. I was like, I don't understand why we were... I mean, I just genuinely was like, what did this solve? Here, l let's do it. We'll give them an example. What? 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 <laughs> and then young Thomas starts screaming about how he wants steak. He really wants a goddamn steak. In fact, if he had a steak, you know what he would do? He'd fuck it. He'd fuck it. The man loves a steak. Who doesn't? Well, somehow, <laughs> old Thomas interprets this to mean that young Thomas doesn't like his cooking. <laughs> yeah, he's like immediately insulted. Yeah, he's like, what? You don't like me cooking? <laughs> well, young Thomas just like, how could I possibly like the shit that you cook us up for supper? 
And old Thomas is just like, well, you're drunk. You take that back. You're, you're only saying that because you're drunk. You're saying mean things and you hurt my feelings. <laughs> so you, you take it back, okay? <laughs> I don't like where you right now. You're a big old poopy face. Just, you really do like my cooking, right? Because I really do try. And uh, it would really hurt my feelings if you were being honest with what you just said, so... But you like my lobster, right? The lobster's good. Uh, sometimes my ham salad can get a little funky, but my lobster's good, right? <laughs> it's it's a it's a family recipe, so it, it would offend me if you uh, continued the shit that you're spewing. So I learned it when I was raised by lobsters. <laughs> we cook ourselves all the time. <laughs> but I tell you what. You better tell that man that you like his lobsters because he's getting ready. To put the curse of the sea upon poor young Thomas. I mean, this speech. It's its bananas. Like what we talked about in last week's The Witch, uh, when uh, Caleb makes his speech. Mm-hmm. This one is not quite up to there. That one still, I think, tops it for me. But this one, close second, man. It's like a two-minute monologue Mm -hmm. i don't think the guy blinks one time during the whole thing and he just goes on he's like let neptune strike ye dead and they just start screaming and the thunder starts crashing i really thought at this moment that things were going to get revealed that he actually has some connection to the sea and he's going to start causing this tempest to come in and these waves to crash and lightning that doesn't really happen i mean things don't go well from here but uh it wasn't quite that spot on but man i i certainly can't do it justice i'm not even going to try uh uh it really is impressive though if you just want to see someone doing really really well at their craft yeah uh then definitely check out willem dafoe in this scene Basically, the long and short of his speech is, you know, he's calling upon the sea gods to come and uh, curse young Thomas to basically rot out his insides and kind of just become the sea itself to be consumed by many things. He said it much prettier and very dramatically (laughs) than what I'm saying it. Uh, But at the end, when he's all said and done, the, the only thing that young Thomas can say is, all right, I I admit it. I, I liked your lobster. <laughs> so, you know, it was fine. Fine. I liked it. I ate it. <laughs> oh, and by the way, that that entire scene, Willem Dafoe did it in one take. Oh, wow. It's so good. Well, next we kind of come to later that night, and, of course, we got uh, old Thomas up in the lighthouse. Young Thomas, I can't, this is kind of his nightly ritual. Now he just kind of sits underneath you know, on the stairs and just kind of stares up where he can see through that grate. He's just become obsessed with this light and getting in there and seeing what is really going on. Well, the next day we see the storm still rages outside. The waves are just incredible. And we see that young Thomas has taken that knife that he stuck into his pocket and he's using it to try and break into the lighthouse room. But, of course, that knife is uh, no match for this big metal lock, and it breaks off. But now it's in this really cool, like, uh, uh, almost like a beak, kind of a hook shape. So he figures he can take it and use it on the desk downstairs where old Thomas keeps that ledger, uh, which is exactly what he does. And he gets down there, opens up the desk, but the ledger 
is not there. Cut to old Thomas upstairs sleeping and the ledger is draped across his chest. So now young Thomas has got to try and sneak up there and get it. But when he's there, he sees there's an even bigger prize at hand, and that is the keys to the lighthouse room. So he leans in and tries to grab those. But at just that moment, he has a change of heart, and instead of going for the keys, he decides to take that broken knife out of his pocket and puts it up to old Thomas's throat. But when he does that, his shifting makes the floorboards creak and it wakes up old Thomas, who sees him <laughs> hovering right over him. And uh, he's like, um, what you doing, tiger? <laughs> but young Thomas is just like, oh, sorry, didn't want to wake you. And uh, old Thomas just rolls over, farts, and says, get back to your duties. <laughs> so young Thomas goes back outside and gets to work hauling some more of that coal but we see the wheelbarrow isn't really getting that full and he's also hauling some alcohol bottles with him he's probably doing more drinking than working but you can definitely see that he's really starting to slip he's kind of talking to himself he's you know out walking in the rain and he's like snapping and biting at it and yelling at the rain <laughs> i mean he's he's really kind of losing it uh, we also get another masturbation scene, so there's that. <laughs> What's a little madness without masturbating, am I right? We all go a little mad sometimes. <laughs> uh, and, and then we see, as he's masturbating, uh, it's cut in with he's pulling up uh, more of these lobster traps. Uh, and he's also having a fantasy about having sex with a mermaid. Uh, we also see... A young blonde-headed guy? We're like, who's this guy? But we can only see the back of his head. There's a lot of imagery and tentacles and crabs and water with logs. But right as young Thomas climaxes uh, in the goofiest, just, yeah! <laughs> <laughs> I truly believe no one looks that cool at that particular moment. Uh, he throws his, you know, that little mermaid carving that he found at the very beginning in his mattress. This has been kind of his uh, his little masturbation totem. Uh, but he had it in his hand and he throws it across the room and it breaks. And it, when it does, to young Thomas, he kind of feels like at that moment... He was released from something. He is convinced that that was holding some sort of curse on him. Uh, and we also see more of that scene where he's pulling up that lobster trap. And he opens it up and finds the decapitated head of old Thomas's old keeper, his old second. The guy that young Thomas took his job because supposedly he died. But here's his head in this lobster trap. And it was missing an eye. Did you catch that? I don't think that I did. Oh, it was. So, well, I'll come back around to that. Remind me if I don't. So, instead of rushing in and immediately, you know, accusing him, saying, uh, excuse me, who is dead head man? <laughs> I found something. Uh, it might be yours. 
young Thomas just continues to accept this as part of his uh, madness. He's just like, okay, so here's new information. Uh, <laughs> dead dude, that's fine. Let's just go in and drink more. Uh, and that's what the two of them do. They just, they are literally drinking so much. The majority of it is splashing all over them. It's like you're wasting so much alcohol. But this leads to much singing and dancing and there's more sea shanties. It's a, it's a grand old time. It is a rip-roaring good time and they are screaming and yelling and dancing. But then they cut to as the night is winding down and now they are both slow dancing with each other. You can tell they are just hellaciously drunk yeah. at this point. And yeah. They're not so much dancing with each other as they're holding each other up as they sway back and forth. Yeah. Well, the slow dance winds down and old Thomas had been singing this whole time and they kind of do that thing that happens in movies where the two people that are close look at each other and their eyes lock and they kind of lean in like there might be a kiss and you're like, oh, oh. <laughs> uh, but then they just kind of like, nope, nope, that's not going to happen. And of course, the immediate manly response is they got to beat the shit out of each other. So they immediately start punching each other. It's it's a wild ride. Yeah. Yeah. It's there's just consistently everything in this movie is on a thousand. It feels like. Yeah. They really turned it up to 11. <laughs> Well, I guess they get tired of doing that and they just kind of <laughs> like they're both just kind of laying on the floor. Old Thomas is kind of laying on young Thomas's stomach and they're ju they're just worn out and they're still drunk as hell. And and young Thomas says, you know, he just keeps saying, Thomas, Thomas, I'm Thomas. And old Thomas is like, no, you're Ephraim. I'm Thomas. Do you remember? Do you know who you are, where you are? <laughs> he says, no, look, you don't understand I gotta tell you something. I, I gotta admit something. And old Thomas like, no, don't do it. Do not, do not spill your beans. I don't want to hear it, man. Keep your beans to yourself. <laughs> These are not the beans I'm looking for. <laughs> so basically, young Thomas just comes clean and says, you know, I was with my foreman. We were way downstream. No one was with us. And he had been riding me. He had been riding me so hard and treat me like a dog. And he never did anything. And I just I couldn't take it anymore. And he was right there, man. He had his back to me. And I could have taken this tool thing that I had and just, you know, whacked him in the back of the head. But I didn't. But then something happened and he fell in. And I just didn't do anything to save him. He begged me. He asked me to help pull him in. And I just watched the logs pull him under. And then I just walked off with his stuff. <laughs> he had this nice life and this clean slate, so I became him, and here I am. Plot twist. Neither of them are good guys. Yeah, they both kind of suck. <laughs> but when young Thomas finishes telling his story, he looks around, and old Thomas isn't even in the room. And he calls out to him. But then we get like this echoing sound, like... Like, old Thomas is calling to him from, like, from the beyond or something. And he's like, why'd you spill your beans, Tommy? Why'd you do it? <laughs> it's like, what? What is, where is, is he in the walls? Is he dead? And then we get a whole bunch of uh, just, it's beautiful imagery. We see kind of down that long hall that's that connects the house to the actual lighthouse and and we're looking down that long long hall then we're 
kind of looking at a view of the spiral staircase as if we're standing down on the bottom looking up to where the light is. And the next thing we see is outside the lighthouse on the actual railing outside. And young Thomas is standing there and he has old Thomas tied up, or, or so we think. And then when he reaches down and uh, and like goes to roll him over, he turns over and it's young Thomas again. It's like he's turned himself over and he turns to look behind him. And all of a sudden we have this crazy image of old Thomas naked and he's behind young Thomas who turns around to look at him and light beams come from his eyes and shine onto young Thomas. I'm not making any of this up. I, I know it doesn't make any sense. And this is the point in the movie when I was like, oh, I get it. All of this makes sense <laughs> it's now. It's all falling into place. Yeah, it was this scene that I didn't know I was looking for, but this was it. I was like, oh, okay, I'm in it now. I get it. Well, luckily, I can confirm that at least this particular part is supposed to be a dream sequence. Uh, I think after he's told this story, he's made his confession about... Uh, you know, not murdering the foreman, but basically not doing anything to help him uh, and save his life when he could have. After he tells that, I think we are to assume that he pretty much just passed out. And these are all just these more of these visions he's having. And I know that this is a dream sequence because uh, there's a nice little factoid that tells me uh, that in this scene where uh, old Thomas is standing naked, beaming light from his eyes onto young Thomas, it is a reference to the painting Hypnosis by German artist Sascha Schneider uh, from 1904. Okay, there right. we go. Well, I, I think that's uh, interesting that he chose that painting, that Eggers chose that painting to kind of emulate there. Uh, you know, the fact that it's titled Hypnosis. I, I think that's uh, a statement kind of saying this is more of this uh, this control, this power that old Thomas has over young Thomas. He's kind of pulled him into this this world, this almost hypnotizing world of, you know, these sailor stories and sea shantings and this weather and this mysterious light. And, and uh, you know, young Thomas has kind of fallen for it hook, line, and sinker, if you will. Mm-hmm. Well, the next morning, young Thomas has woken from his dream and is furiously running uh, across the island. And he is making it down to the water's edge and the boathouse where they have this emergency little dinghy boat. This little <laughs> this little rowboat that ain't going to do too much, but it's uh, better than trying to walk on water, I guess. Uh, and he's pulling it out of the boathouse, uh, trying to make his escape. He has this crazy life jacket on. I know this is supposed to be <laughs> way back in time and life jackets were different than... It looks like a bulletproof vest. I thought it was a bunch of hot dogs <laughs> <laughs> that had been sewn onto a vest. I wasn't sure what he was wearing. It took me a minute to realize, oh, this is supposed to be some sort of life vest. <laughs> but I really didn't know what was going on. I love with this, uh, his hot dog vest. <laughs> Uh, but he's not going to get too far because immediately here comes old Thomas. Yeah, he's back. He's still around. Uh, and he has an axe. All of a sudden, this has become a slasher film. I'm so excited. I'm like, here, here's where the horror comes in. Well, he comes over and comes to the boat and screams, don't leave me. 
and takes the axe and just starts hacking it up. Well, keep in mind, the whole time all this is happening, I mean, just torrential downpour and rain and wind coming. I mean, this is chaotic scene. There's <laughs> a lot going on. Old Thomas now is chasing young Thomas, who, who manages to get past him and make it back to the house. He gets inside. Uh, I guess the door doesn't lock, though, because uh, Old Thomas comes right in behind him. Old Thomas takes the axe and tells young Thomas that he's abandoning his post and whacks it and sticks it into the table. Well, young Thomas is like, well, what are you going to do? Report me to the lighthouse establishment? And old Thomas is like, you know, I'll report what you've done. I'll dock your pay. And old Thomas says, I'll tell him about Ephraim Winslow. I'll tell him what you did with your former foreman. And then young Thomas says, oh, no, who's reporting who around here? I'm going to tell him. You're the one who killed your second. That's right. The guy that young Thomas took his job over because supposedly he died. That's whose head was in that lobster thing and it was missing an eye. So let's bring this around. So remember that old Thomas mentioned that it's bad luck to kill a seagull because of a superstition stating that seagulls contain the souls of sailors. He also mentioned that his previous assistant went mad and died. The seagull that antagonizes young Thomas throughout the movie is missing an eye. The rotting head later found in that lobster trap, the one that was the former assistant, was also missing the same eye, implying that the seagull contained the soul of old Thomas's former partner. Oh, ah. it's all coming together now. It's all coming together. But that's about the only thing that I figured out. Okay. Well, that's I, more I than I had. The, uh, yeah, I caught the eyeball thing and I was able to say, okay, I get it. I get that. You're on your own with everything else. <laughs> okay. Glad I could help. Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I, I do have uh, another little tiny theory I share at the end. Uh, but we go on. So, yeah, young Thomas says, I got it. I got you figured out. You killed your fucking second. So you report me. I'm reporting you, asshole. But he's got another little piece of information. He says, you know, you told me that your second went mad. Well, you're the one who drove him mad. And you did it with this little trinket. And that's when he pulls out the little mermaid thing, the thing that he broke, his little, you know, sex toy thing. Uh, he thinks that this thing was cursed and somehow had a hold on him. So that's why he was so elated when he turned and broke it, that that somehow broke its curse. Mm -hmm. That now he is, he's figured it all out and he's finally free of, of old Thomas's control. That now maybe he's gaining the control, which is what he's wanted all this time. You know, he hates it, working for these people who tell him what to do. He just wants the control for once. He just wants that control. That's all he's asking for. I don't think that's too much. But old Thomas, <laughs> he's not done fucking around with young Thomas's head. He's like, oh man, what's wrong with you? You have really lost your mind you know last night making that confession it's really messed with you and i i should have known that you'd gone mad you know since you were chasing me around with an axe and you chopped up the boat you remember that 
So now he's trying to say that young Thomas was the one who actually chopped up the boat. And of course, we're thinking, okay, it could have happened. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> we weren't there. All of us are so confused. I mean, maybe that's just the way that young Thomas saw it. I don't know what's really happening. <laughs> I was lucky enough to figure out the seagull thing. <laughs> and then old Thomas says, well, you better hand me that dinner knife that you pocketed because you're too crazy to have it on you. It worries me. And immediately it seems like young Thomas kind of backs down and he hands over the knife, which old Thomas takes and immediately like breaks and destroys. And then he tells young Thomas he's going to deduct that from his pay. I feel like we're all in such fragile states right now. Maybe we shouldn't be making threats like that and, and saying things that might upset each other. Because nothing right now seems like it could go in a positive direction. Yeah. And then to make matters worse, old Thomas just continues to mess with young Thomas, his head. He's like, do you even know where we are? How long have we been here? Has it been four weeks, five weeks, a day? You know, do you know if you're coming or going? What's what's going on here? You know, and then he's like, help me remember, who are you again? Are you Tommy or are you this Ephraim guy? And now we're like, oh, now you're confusing me. <laughs> oh, is this really all just his imagination? What's going on? And then he starts to think, you know, maybe you're not even here. Maybe you're still up in Canada, you know, working that logging job and you're stuck chest high in snow and you, you've just gone mad and you don't even know it. It's like, oh my God, please don't make this all just a delusion. <laughs> <laughs> I can't take it. Well, this is pretty much just torn young Thomas back down to, to nothing. He's back in his little subservient mode. You can always tell because he kind of, you know, his shoulders kind of hunch up a little bit and his head goes down and he, he kind of messes with his hands in front of his chest a little bit. Yeah. He, a very, very kind of sheltered, timid pose. Kind of different sides of young Thomas. Uh, and old Thomas tells him, we're out of drink. And this is a problem, because right now the only times that they've been able to tolerate each other is when they're stinking drunk. <laughs> so what did they decide to do? I'm not exactly sure. I It has something to do with fueling the lamp. I, I think it's lamp fuel, maybe? Like kerosene or something? Yeah, kerosene and honey. And they mix it together, and that's what they are drinking. And holy shit. Yikes. However, this brings me to my absolute favorite part of this entire movie. Uh, they take their first drink of this concoction from hell that they've created. <laughs> and old Thomas immediately screams, monkey pump. <laughs> and they both start beating their chest and screaming like apes. Just to see Willem Dafoe yell monkey pump is the best thing ever. Yeah, it was it was completely unexpected. And then, yes, it was just great. I was like, I didn't realize that's what I needed, but I have it now, and I'm excited for it. I'm walking away from this movie with this at least. Well, later that night, we see that the storm outside is raging. It has gotten just so much worse. And they are hunkered down inside, drinking this horrible shit, getting just plastered out of their minds. We see the seas outside, and we're talking 40-foot waves. It, it is just unbelievable. 
the guys have taken shelter underneath the table and they are just laughing, having the best time drunk off their ass when all of a sudden a wave crashes through the window and everything goes quiet till the next morning when we see the place is in shambles. We still see the axe is uh, sitting in the tabletop. Uh, but everybody's still alive. They're fine. They're seriously hungover. <laughs> this movie is just uh, a big hangover. Well, young Thomas gets up and uh, the house is flooded. There's a good maybe four inches of water. Uh, and stuff is floating around, including uh, one of the chamber pots. Uh, so he plays a lovely game of trying to piss in it as it floats and bobs in the water. He does a pretty good job of it. Uh, until he has to puke from, you know, drinking kerosene all night. Uh, so he pukes in the water he's standing in. Disgusting. Yeah. And he's also like, yes, he was doing a, a good job, but he's also still pissing on the floor. So, yeah, we now have a mixture what, of like true. rain, piss, and promise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a gross situation. Uh, but in the midst of all this nastiness, uh, that ledger book, that secret damn book that old Thomas has been writing in this whole time, it comes floating right up to young Thomas. He finally can see what this son of a bitch has been writing. And we can tell by the look on his face that it's nothing good. Well, he finishes going through the book and we have yet to see what's in it. But he immediately walks over to that fucking ticking clock that's been ticking for this entire movie and punches it. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's done with it. He is done. And we all say, thank you, thank you, sir. He then goes back in the other room to see old Thomas is rummaging around on the floor, desperately trying to find a match to light his pipe. And young Thomas goes over and lights a match for him. And as old Thomas leans in to get a light from the match he sees the blood on young thomas's hand and he says uh what's up with your hand and uh, you know young thomas just kind of looks at his hand and old thomas says uh haven't you ever heard of tetanus you know i once saw a case so bad we were out on the ship and here he goes into one of his tall tales and young thomas is just like motherfucker if i have to hear another one of your stories i've heard enough i'm done with them <laughs> well, young Thomas tells old Thomas, I am tired of your damn fool yarns, your Captain Ahab bullshit. Tells him he sounds like a goddamn parody. Constantly giving these nagging orders like a spinster school marm. You think you're so high and mighty being a lighthouse keeper? You ain't no captain of a ship and you never were. So you ain't fucking nobody. I don't know who the hell you think you are telling me what to do. Yeah, you can tell he's he his breaking point. He's he's past it. Oh, he has he has lost it at this <laughs> point. He is there is no turning back. <laughs> he tells him he's sick of his laughing and his snoring and his goddamn farts. <laughs> <laughs> Here's a uh, another pretty stellar insult. He he tells him he smells like piss. He smells like jism, like rotten dick, like curdled foreskin. None of which sounds great. Oh, but the best one is, like hot onions fucked a farmyard shithouse. <laughs> Just once, I want to be able to tell someone <laughs> that they smell like hot onions fucked a farmyard shithouse. 
It's my new favorite insult. Yeah, it's it's very specific, but it's like the perfect description. It's like I get it. <laughs> I mean, you're pretty sure what the hell that smells like. It ain't good. Yeah. No matter what the situation is, I feel like this person needs to take a shower. <laughs> yeah. And of course, after young Thomas goes through all this ranting, just tell him all these horrible things that he smelled like. He's sick of everything about him. Old Thomas just says, you have a way with words, Tommy. <laughs> <laughs> and that just infuriates him more. And young Thomas is just like, <laughs> he's just over it. He's so over it. Well, then old Thomas has the gall to tell young Thomas that he is relieved of his duties. He's basically firing him. To which young Thomas says, Oh, really? You don't have to tell me that, dickhead. And he goes and grabs that ledger. Remember that fucking secret book? He brings in that book and opens it up and reads off every day. Old Thomas has been writing in there and says, you know, is writing about how lazy young Thomas is and about how he doesn't do his job work and how every day he's been docking his pay. And it turns out, basically, he's been working there for free. He was never gonna get paid if they got picked up because of the shit he's been writing in that book i would i would just lose lose my mind i i, I would just <laughs> i would just go catatonic at that point <laughs> i i could not be responsible for my actions <laughs> well then just when you think this was the last straw and that old thomas is getting you know like a screwdriver to the noggin or something young thomas is like look Dude, all I'm asking, please, I am down on my knees. And he drops to his knees and he says, I am begging you, if you want me to beg you, I just want to see the light. But old Thomas is like, nah, dude, ain't going to happen. And young Thomas is like, fuck, man, come on. Why are you keeping it all to yourself? You, you cannot. You have to share this. You left your wife and children to be with this light. There's something about it. You have got to let me in there. And of course, all old Thomas does in response is just taunt him more. He's like, you're just a fucking whiny baby. You just want people to adore you and give you what you want just because you were born. You know, you, you think that you're some big shit who deserves all this stuff and you ain't done shit. You don't deserve anything. And so I ain't giving you shit. <laughs> you just think, meh. He's like... What are you going to do now? You're going to kill me like you did that seagull? And of course, young Thomas is like, I didn't kill that seagull. Old Thomas is like, fuck yeah, you did. I fucking saw you kill that seagull. And the minute you did that, that's when the wind changed. Because remember, as soon as he killed that seagull, the camera panned up and we literally saw the wind change. Mm -hmm. It's like something happened in that moment when he released this soul of this former keeper you know, all hell broke loose on this island. And it's just been, I mean, it ain't been good from the jump, but yeah. it just got worse. And so he just keeps goading him. He's, you know, he says, are you going to do the same thing that you did to, to Winslow, to this Ephraim guy that you just let die? You're just going to let me die out here? Probably so, because you're just like what he said. You're just a fucking dog. Just a dirty, no good dog. Well, this immediately starts a game of who's going to choke the other one first. <laughs> they go into the standoff. They're both just <laughs> choking each other. Then they start beating the shit out of each other. I mean, just going at it. But in the middle of it, all of a sudden, young Thomas 
starts to envision that old Thomas is this mermaid, you know, this beautiful mermaid and her hands are up and start caressing his face and starts putting her thumb in his mouth. And he's, you know, kind of getting into it for a second. But then all of a sudden we realize this isn't mermaid. It's still old Thomas. But now old Thomas looks like the best way I can describe it is Barnacle Bill from Pirates of the Caribbean. I know you have yet to see that movie. <laughs> Yeah. But those who have seen that movie are going to know what exactly what I talk what I'm talking about. He looks like he's being uh, absorbed by the sea, kind of. He has barnacles all over. I mean, he's still a person, and he's laughing maniacally because it's weird and uh, creepy. Uh, but yeah, he's just got like coral and sea things on him, uh, and those tentacles are back. The creepy tentacles are now uh, like wrapping around young Thomas's neck and uh, pulling him down. And Thomas just starts wailing and punching the shit out of old Thomas's face. And the tentacles start to, you know, loosen and fall away. And finally, old Thomas just starts screaming, you're killing me, you're killing me. And young Thomas kind of snaps out of it and realizes that it's old Thomas. He looks perfectly normal. No barnacles, <laughs> nothing there. Uh, and he was, he was beating him to death. So again, another crazy vision. Was it a vision? Did yeah. any of that happen? I, you know, I'm convinced all of it happened. Every bit of it. <laughs> well, clearly at this point, young Thomas has the upper hand. Old Thomas has, has literally been beaten into submission. And young Thomas gets up and makes him bark like a dog. He says, bark, bark like a dog. And <laughs> old Thomas starts barking like a dog. Uh, we then see them come outside. And young Thomas actually has old Thomas on a leash. And is making him walk on his hands and knees up to the lighthouse. And when they arrive at the lighthouse, they don't actually go inside. They go to where they dug up that uh those rations that extra crate of alcohol that they had so there's already a nice little hole in the ground and young thomas makes old thomas crawl inside and he starts to bury him alive so as young thomas starts burying him old thomas says look hey you want to see the light you got it let me let me tell you all about it uh some people say that they see horrible, scary things. Other people say they see divine grace in it. You know, it just depends on the person. But the whole time that he's doing this, young Thomas, remember, is scooping this dirt and throwing it in on him. So we have this constant shot of old Thomas, and, and it's, it's closing in. We're, we're doing a zoom in, and it gets closer and closer to his face. And so we see this dirt hitting his face. It's going in his mouth, and he's, he's doing this whole nother monologue as dirt is being thrown on it. And he starts to chew on the dirt. He's getting, it's, I mean, mad props mm -hmm. to Willem Dafoe in the scene. It, it's incredible. But eventually, it's, it's too much, and uh, old Thomas goes quiet. And young Thomas stops shoveling. And you think, oh my God, he's having second thoughts. He jumps down into the grave and he lifts up old Thomas. Uh, but he's not lifting him up to see if he's still alive. <laughs> he just remembered that he forgot to get the keys to the lighthouse. 
So he grabs the keys, and now that old Thomas is out of the picture, he runs and tries to get up to the lighthouse. So finally, the moment has come. He's been waiting for this entire time. He's going to get to see the light. And he slowly starts to make his ascent up the stairs. And he reaches in his pocket because this would be a great time for a cigarette, but realizes he doesn't have them. He's, he's left the, the tobacco and papers back in the house. So he goes back to the house to get his cigarettes. And just as he makes his way inside, here comes old Thomas through the front door, waving that damn axe again. Uh, and he screams, the light belongs to me, and slams the axe right into young Thomas's shoulder. He then pulls the axe out, but young Thomas manages to grab something heavy, I don't know what it was, and smacks old Thomas across the face, knocking him backwards. Young Thomas goes over, picks up the axe, walks over to old Thomas, and plants it right in his face. Uh, you don't see it. It's off screen, but you do see the lovely uh, blood splurt right up into young Thomas's face. That was nice. Yeah, it was It was quite the ending to the, the whole madness. <laughs> yeah. But again, it's all black and white, so it could be Hershey's syrup. We don't know. I know. Do you? Yeah. All right. <laughs> was it Hershey's syrup? Or? No. Oh, wow. Went with the realism. <laughs> we then see young Thomas finally get his cigarette he also takes another swig of that disgusting concoction they made to drink. <laughs> All the while, his shoulder is still just pumping blood. He, With every moment that passes, he is losing a lot more blood. But he is bound and determined. If it is the last thing he does, he's going to make it up to that lighthouse. And that's what we see, the struggle, as now he is on the stairs. He is bloodied, face, hands covered in blood he has the keys grasped in his hands and he is just hands and knees crawling up to the top you can do it buddy this is the moment he gets up unlocks the door pops it open comes up through the floor and sees the light there she is in all her glory slowly spinning around and when the portion of the glass comes around that has the door it pops open in front of him, exposing the light inside. And all I can tell you is this is like the best moment of this man's life. And maybe the worst. Oh yeah, he's thriving and diving. I mean, there is horror and pure ecstasy all going on at the same time. Mm -hmm. So this is um, a good thing and a very bad thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's everything all at once. Yeah. Is is uh what I can gather. Welcome to the lighthouse. <laughs> everything all at once. Yes. Uh so he holds his hand out to the light. We can start to hear this crackling noise. His eyes literally start rolling back in his head. And he's just it's, you know, overcome with something. It's he's laughing, he's crying, he starts screaming at the top of his lungs. And whatever he's experiencing becomes just so much that he is just b kind of blown backwards a little bit enough that he falls down every goddamn one of those stairs all the way down to the bottom of the lighthouse. And in our final shot, we see 
poor young Thomas, naked, laid out on the rocks below the lighthouse. He's being eviscerated by seagulls. Uh, his eyes have been plucked out, and he is still alive. Yeah. Still alive. Experiencing all of this happening. Yeah. And uh, if it's anything like the story I think this scene is based on, looks like he's going to be having to do that for the rest of his days. Because this is how our movie ends. That's it. That's it. It is not a happy ending, but it's an ending. <laughs> I can confirm that this movie is over because <laughs> the credits roll and uh, a sea chanty plays. So... Uh, okay, so this final shot. Did you get anything from that? Uh, what do you mean? Well, it seemed very obvious to me. You know, I, I think now that we've watched this and The Witch, it's very obvious that Eggers loves his, uh, uh, his symbolisms and his calls back to, uh, like specific pieces of art. Yeah. Uh, like we had this, this hypnosis one, and then there was a painting in The Witch uh, that he kind of emulated that was when they were burying Caleb's body. That was also sp supposed to be a painting. Uh, so when this scene came up, knowing that he likes to do this kind of stuff, it immediately made me think of the story of Prometheus. Uh, I believe I even turned to you and I said, you know the story of Prometheus? Because basically what the story was in that, so it, it seems to me, you know, we keep calling old Thomas kind of the old man in in the sea so he's kind of like this uh this sea god uh who would have been uh, I think Proteus would have been the sea god in in Greek mythology and so Prometheus basically uh he was this titan who the gods were punishing mankind and so they took fire away from man and Prometheus was like nah fuck y'all I'm gonna do what I want I take fire back give it to the people uh, so he basically defied the gods. And so as his punishment, uh, they chain him to a rock where each day an eagle was to come in and like eat his liver. It would pluck out his liver and he would have to experience that. Mm -hmm. But overnight, the liver would grow back only to be eaten again the next day forever. So every day he has to relive that torture so I, I think this that's what this is I, I think kind of you know old Thomas was in his mind in this whole scenario that he had made up in this mind his mind whether it was real or not you know he was the god of this lighthouse of the light he was the keeper of the light this was his domain mm -hmm. and young Thomas comes in and wants to take this fire back this light and said this should not just be for you it should be for everyone so I'm going to come and take it. And so uh, as punishment in the end, he is, is left to, to be punished and suffer by having his liver pecked out every day. All that checks out for me. Good. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying what, that's what this whole movie was about. Yeah. But I'm definitely getting that vibe, that symbolism there at the end uh, with the whole seagulls plucking at his innards. Yeah. So there you go. That's our movie. There it is. It happened. <laughs> okay. Well, now that we are all in the same kind of befuddled state, we should talk about some prompts. Because, I mean, that's that's our thing, right? So that's not confusing. 
<laughs> we we can clearly come up with our own shit. Yeah, I could. That's something I can stick with. All right. Well, then let's cover some prompts. So, what did you have for your popcorn spiller? Uh, so for me, I I ended up using the scene where younger Thomas uh killed the seagull, just because it's a, it's like really intense and it's uh I was kind of unexpected. I mean, it there's a lot of tension leading up to this, obviously mm-hmm. between Mister Seagull and young Thomas. There's some some tension there but it was just <laughs> a like a little bit it's a little bit but he just like grabbed him and just started wailing on him and yeah. just going bananas and so that for me was kind of this moment that i was like oh okay like both parties in this movie are not all there got it noted it was enough for me to be like take it a little take at least take him a little bit more seriously i guess i should say what about for you uh, mine was that moment when uh, we switch all of a sudden to that machinery. It was at the very beginning, mm-hmm. uh, and all of a sudden it's just loud machinery. It just it scared the hell. Out. It made both me and Finn, one of our <laughs> dogs, jump. Uh, and so yeah, that it was literally if I had had popcorn, it would have flown a little bit, and Finn would have gotten some free food. <laughs> so who ended up being your scene stealer for this movie? Without a doubt, Willem Dafoe. I mean, he just did phenomenal yeah. in this. So good. What about you? Well, I mean, we really only have two options. Pretty much. Um, and so I went with the other party, which was <laughs> Robert Pattinson. And again, that was simply for the reason that I just didn't really have a lot of expectations. And so I think it was r- rather surprising just because I do think that a lot of times I just default to his role in Twilight. And, and I haven't seen Twilight, so I, I genuinely don't have anything going off of that it's just like that's just what I know him from mm-hmm. and so seeing him in this role compared to that it was very different and then I think to be able to see him in this light where we basically have a two-man show happening here and and that's a lot to carry I thought it was uh, really well done and unexpected just because I mean that's a lot to do but it's also a lot to do next to Willem Dafoe who has done many many things and has many works underneath his belt Mm -hmm. so I imagine that was a lot of pressure and I feel like he he nailed it so yeah it was Robert for me yeah both performances were were really really well done uh of course when I think of Robert Pattinson I always think of he's that other cute kid that went for the Triwizard Cup yeah 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 Still not uh, a light a lighthouse keeper that goes crazy. So. <laughs> no, vastly <laughs> different. So, what about your gorgasm? What'd you have for that? Uh, so mine just ended up being kind of that ending scene. I think the thing that was kind of gory, I guess, for lack of better words, there wasn't a whole lot going on in this movie as far as that goes. But the, I guess, the thought of you know, the birds just sitting there eating him alive. And, and at first when the camera opens up to the scene, he has no eyes. Like the birds have like pecked out his eyes and everything. Mm-hmm. And I thought he was dead. And so I was like, oh, okay, that's apropos for, you know, the movie. But then he's alive. And I was like, oh, well, this takes it a whole another level. That's just <laughs> awful. So, yeah, that that was mine for uh, Gorgasm. But what about for you? Uh, mine was the, uh, the bird when he killed the bird. Yeah. It was was so realistic. Yeah. I actually had that, like in my notes, I said gorgasm or popcorn. Like I had it as both 
that yeah. scene just because yeah. I couldn't decide. Yeah, it just, uh, you know, and the fact that it's black and white, it's it's not gory in the sense, you know, you can't tell that it's blood. It's just so realistic. Yeah, it's very brutal. <laughs> and every time he splats it down on the rocks, you're just like, oh, God. Yeah. It's, it's pretty intense. Mm-hmm. Very effective. So who ended up being your memorable mortality? Uh, actually, I went with the same one. I, we only have two deaths here, really, yeah. uh, on screen, and and that's uh, old Thomas at the end, and of course, poor poor Siegel there. Uh, that one really, I mean, old Thomas. I, my God, I think we all saw that coming. Someone was going to die. These yeah. two were going to kill each other somehow. Uh, so yeah, it really unexpected was the Seagull's death. So it's like, oh shit, yeah. and then it just kept getting. So much worse. <laughs> Just wanted that one to be over. <laughs> so that's definitely definitely a memorable one for me. Yeah. Well, like you said, I mean, we only have a couple in this movie. So again, I went with the other party, and that was Thomas uh, being axed simply for the fact of yes, we saw it coming. That the, there was an, a very high expectation throughout this whole movie that one of our uh, characters was going to die. <laughs> uh, but I think it was just how fast it happened. I mean, he, you know, comes running in the house at him and is like yelling about that light being only his. Mm-hmm. And then he axes him in the arm and then he's dead and there's blood splatter. I was just like, <laughs> oh, okay. So it was definitely, uh, I think, memorable in the fact of like, idea didn't see it coming, like literally didn't see it coming. It was just like running, running dead blood. So it was just very fast yeah uh but yeah that was that was that was mine memorable mortality a good a good axe to the head so that leaves us with our last one which is the dead zone or vaults yeah you know i i struggled with this one it, it's a it's a beautifully made film i i'm a huge fan of eggers work we love the witch yeah oh, that was so good such an unexpected surprise this one, it just, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't get a lot of horror out of it. I mean, yes, it's horror in the sense, like you said, it's just, it's a psychological thing. And yeah. it's two people's descent into madness. And so in the sense, yeah, I got to say that's horror. It's just, I don't know. It's so hard for me to define I can't say that this is one that I want to sit around with a bunch of people and watch again. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it was, it was an easy answer for me. I really didn't struggle. Uh, it was, it was staying in the dead zone for me. Not that it wasn't good in the, like in the aspect of, I, I am thankful that I watched it. I'm glad that I watched it. Um, I'm definitely glad to, uh, kind of, I don't know, mark it off my list, uh, but yeah, it definitely, it didn't land for me at all. And I, I just, exactly what you said. It was like, I can't imagine pulling this movie out and just wanting to like sit around with friends and, or even by myself, like, it's just not something I would rewatch just for the simple fact of like, there really wasn't, I think because it was tiptoeing that line of horror, um, it never quite got there for me. And so to me, it just kind of felt like a weird drama. And that's not what I want in my horror. I, mm-hmm. I want it to be horror. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I want to get scared. Yeah. Yeah. And at no time was I ever scared. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, 
I, you know, the, the format of this show is difficult because we're not really reviewing these shows. We're not here to tell you whether or not you should watch a movie. Mm-hmm. If you want to watch a movie, watch a movie. Who cares what the hell we think or anyone else <laughs> thinks? If it's something you think you're going to enjoy, go have fun. Uh you know, so we're by no means telling you not to watch this movie. In fact, I think people should watch this movie if you are just a fan of filmmaking and just can enjoy movies for the the beauty of the film itself and the performances. You know, I, I absolutely think that this is a movie that you should see. Yeah. But if you're looking for a fun drive-in experience that you just want to hang out with friends or something that's, you know, has rewatchability. I don't think this is that movie. Yeah. And for that reason, I got to agree. It's got to stay in the dead zone. Yeah. Yeah. I, I I can't say it was unexpected. Like I said, me and you both, we really struggled with like wanting to jump into this. And I think it was for the simple fact that every single review was just the fact that this movie is fucking weird. And it makes me sad that like I can't offer more than that because this movie is just fucking weird. It's just fucking weird. <laughs> and like. I think that's why I feel like people maybe should watch it because there isn't a lot of gore to it. So, like, I feel like if that's where your, you know, weakness to horror comes from, there's not a whole lot going on in this movie. Uh, so I think it's worth a watch just to, just, I mean, for validation to know that we're telling you the truth, that it's weird. <laughs> just, just, that's all we need. Yeah, I mean... As soon as I saw the laser beam eyes thing, I was like, how am I going to explain this to people? They're going to think I'm making this shit up. Yeah. Yeah. It's a weird one. But I mean, like you said, in comparison to The Witch and my expectations going in, I'm still completely and utterly shocked by The Witch in the fact that like I just was able to sit through it. This one... (laughs) I mean, more than that. I really did enjoy right. The Witch. But, I like, I did. didn't even expect to right. be able to sit through it. This one, I did fall asleep in. Oh, did you? So, yeah. In oh, the first, I, was I didn't there, know that, you little slime. <laughs> I was, like, sitting there taking my notes, and I had my hand in my, or my head in my hand, um, just kind of sitting there writing. And then, I don't know, maybe, like, five, ten minutes later, I was like, oh, I'm not writing anymore. And I was awake. Or waking up, I guess I should say. So, uh, yeah, I, I did fall asleep for a few minutes, and that makes me sad. It, <laughs> like, it genuinely does. I hate falling asleep during movies. It's like yeah. a pet peeve of mine, just because I feel like I'm here to watch this movie, and I want to be able to sit through this and enjoy it. So when a movie does genuinely make me fall asleep, it, it pretty quickly moves to that list for me that's like, this isn't going to be something that I'll sit down and watch. I mean, there had to have been something crazy twisty or something that would have landed this on that side for me Mm -hmm. but like I said I have no regrets in watching it at all this I feel like a lot of these a24 movies uh people have consistently been asking us to cover and I've just been like yeah one day one day I promise we'll cover it but now that we're here I'm so glad that we're doing it And, and that's how it was with this movie it was over and it was done with but I was like all right I'm glad I watched that now I can say I watched a weird ass movie and I hate when people like I hate not knowing what people are saying or talking about when they say a movie's weird you know mm-hmm. I hate being that person that doesn't know I don't like being an outsider to that so I'm like oh okay I'm gonna put that on my list and watch that tonight because I need to know what you're talking about so that's where I am with this I'm glad that I know that it's weird and that people were right when they said it was weird <laughs> there you go that's that's all you can really hope for is to know when something's weird. 
<laughs> I just, uh, that's all I need. I just need to <laughs> verify. Yeah, that's weird. And I agree. So, you know, it happened. <laughs> it happened, and it was weird. Well, that's going to do it for us. Episode 25 is... In the Can. In the Can. Thank you so much for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the Dead Zone Drive-In on your favorite listening platform. And if you're looking for a way to support us, we would be so grateful if you would leave a rating and or review. And if you screenshot that review and send it to us, we're going to send you your very own Dead Zone Drive-In sticker for free. That's no money's honey. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, or you can email us at deadzonedrivein at gmail.com. And if you're wanting to reach us by snail mail, our address is P.O. Box 12665, Oklahoma City, Oklahoma 73157. We'll be sure to pick it up while we're driving through town. Next, be sure to cruise down to our show notes where you'll find a link to our socials and our Facebook group. And lastly, be sure to seek us out next week as we'll be capping off our A24 series with probably one of our most requested movies to cover, and that is Midsummer. So if you want to check out that trailer, don't worry, we've got you. That link is also down in the show notes. I am so excited for that one. I am too. And of course, a big thank you to our house band Slime and the Maggot Boob. Their bassist, Jason, wore a Goonies Never Say Die shirt the other day. I fucking love that movie. And you have a shirt similar, so we were twinsies. Twinsies. And remember, if you're looking for the dead zone and want to join us for a weekend screening, if you've listened to this episode in its entirety, you'll have been provided with all the information you need. Don't forget your tickets. Good night, folks, and please buckle up. We'll be waiting for you. Principal photography for The Lighthouse began on April 9th, 2018 in Cape Fortune, Canada. Canada? Canada. Oh, Canada. <laughs> That's all. That's all we got. That's all the words we know in that song. That's so Canadian of us. <laughs> And now, folks, it's time to say goodnight. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night. Five.